0: Well, hello, friends, and welcome to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry and podcast ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church, located in Greenville, Texas. Now, in these few moments we spend together each week, you'll hear great and stirring interviews and powerful messages from the Word of God. But the reason for it all is so you can be touched by... and welcome to the His Mighty Hand radio broadcast and podcast. I'm Pastor Chet Haney from Highland Terrace Baptist Church and so delighted this morning to have in studio with me a dear friend, Mickey Pearson. Morning, Mickey. Good morning, sir. So glad to have you with but us I'm today. glad to be here. Yes, sir. Thank you. I've actually known Mickey for quite a long time. Even before I came to Highland Terrace, Back in 2013, my uh, church where I formerly served up in Denison Parkside Baptist Church, we had a visit from Mickey every now and again because his aunt Marilyn Bradley—that's right—was our secretary there for many many years, and what a great faithful lady she is. Something else. She's one of the best, isn't she? She is. <laughs> yeah, we had a um, birthday party for Marilyn
1: uh, right. last year. I bet it was. Ninety-six, I think, the one yeah. you came to. Yeah? Was that her 96th birthday? I, I believe that's right. My goodness.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize.
1: Yeah. I thought
0: it was her 90th. So she's she's even on up there a little more than I thought. That's amazing because she's in such oh. wonderful condition. Thank right. the Lord for that. Right. She had a husband, Lon Bradley, uh-huh. who was mighty by reputation. I
1: never had the <laughs> chance to know Lon before. Uh well, he was my favorite uncle for a long time. Is that I, right? I, I was an only, only yeah. grandchild on uh-huh. that side of the family for about six years. And right. Uh, when, uh, when he came home from the military and, uh, uh, after World War II, uh, he had met Marilyn and, uh, when they married, she will tell you today that I didn't like her because I, <laughs> I took, she took my favorite uncle from me. How about <laughs> so- that? So But that's not true. <laughs> she uh she kinda interfered a little bit with your right.
0: attention from Uncle Lon huh? right. yes. about that. Yeah. Well, it's been amazing, uh, Mickey, through the years uh as a pastor in in four different locations now. The uh the people that God, you know, lets uh, a pastor know and love and serve are truly remarkable. People are amazing. Just everywhere you go there's everybody has a story and everybody has a history and I have had the privilege to serve in each church even when I was 27 year old kid I remember out in west texas some of the most amazing people out there that I had the privilege to get to know and really felt funny when they called me pastor as a 27 year old <laughs> kid because they were so respectful about it and so um honoring you know to right. their pastor i wasn't really prepared for that i didn't know how to take it at first and it was kind of amazing but i have uh, really enjoyed relationships with some extra special people through the years and um i am so grateful that uh the lord allowed me to do that because it's uh i think that's the best part of being a pastor besides the uh um time studying the bible and prayer and right. praying right. to the yeah. lord and just being close
1: to the lord right. is is the people that's true that's true and that's uh, been my experience in life i've had had the opportunity to to meet a lot of people and to yeah. serve in uh, different capacities and so forth uh yeah uh i uh first of all i, I consider my first first big blessing yeah. was the fact that God let me come to a very, very strong Christian family. Amen. And, uh, the two people probably has had the most impact on my life is my mother and my wife. Really? And, uh, You've two. You had, uh, uh, two women on either side of you, uh, And, and very strong, <laughs> <laughs> I might say. And they needed to be, yeah. <laughs> In my case, uh, yeah. no, uh, no, I, I was born, uh, in, actually in Denison. Oh, is that right? Right. And, yeah. uh, my daddy was an employee of the Katy Railroad and he thought Denison was pretty close to heaven. A lot of Katy people but, up in uh, the Denison area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, uh, spent, uh, we moved to Celeste in 1943 and, uh, that's the place that I remember most and that's, uh, yeah. Where I really remember my my Christian life starting there was in was I remember the church there. However, we had been in Fort Worth and there was a pastor over there, his name was McCormick. All I remember is just Brother Mac. Brother Mac. But he came to Celeste and held a revival in nineteen forty eight. Wow. And uh I was almost eight years old, but I gave my life to Christ. Yeah, that, praise and, the Lord. Uh, uh we happened to be living in a two-story house, so lots of times when when the preacher came to town to do a revival, they stayed in a room in our house. Yeah. And because we had known him before, uh, it was really a privilege to have him in the house. The wow. and Wow. Uh, uh, and I remember my mother really uh asking him uh, and questioning him a little bit about whether I was of an age to know what I was doing. So yeah. he counseled me, and we talked, and he assured her that I did, and— uh, I will say, Chad. I've, I've, one thing I've never questioned is my salvation. Well, thank the Lord. And uh, have strong it, assurance. It's, it's gone back a long way. Yeah. I will also say, in, in the next breath, that I haven't always practiced it like I ought to. Well. And uh, but that's true uh, of
0: all of us, I'm afraid.
1: My uh, my mother was a very, as I said, a very strong influence in my life, and my father too. And, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. One of the things that I wanted to mention that happened in our house every yeah. morning, uh, there was a rule at home that we all ate breakfast together. <laughs> well, that's a good rule. And well, there was a time when that wasn't just exactly easy for my sister yeah. and I because my dad yeah. was working away and uh, he didn't like to stay out, stay in where he was working. So mm-hmm. he would drive back and forth, and sometimes that required him to leave at uh, really early four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Oh, so breakfast was at what mother time? got up and made. And had breakfast on the table in time for him to do that. Oh my goodness. So, and, four uh, o'clock
0: in the morning, you're, uh, so, buttering uh,
1: biscuits. I was, uh, trying to. My eyes weren't always open. Uh, wow. But, uh, not only did we eat, but, uh, our, uh, my father always read scripture. Wow. A daily Bible reading. What and, a
0: precious and, uh, family discipline.
1: We had, uh, a little devotional every morning. Man. And, uh, did that draw you close as a family? Absolutely it did. Uh, I, I can I can remember particularly some Sunday mornings because because of their habit of getting up early Saturday and Sunday weren't exactly a different day. I yeah. still forgot maybe not quite yeah, that early but uh, muscle memory for But for, uh, on Sunday morning uh I, daddy would uh, rouse me and uh, yeah. tell me breakfast was on the table and I would <laughs> tell him I wasn't hungry. <laughs> and he would tell me that I didn't have to eat uh, but I had but to come had and sit at the table. So yeah uh but it was a strong and it, and that started me off and in, uh, in a in a way that uh kind of it kind of molds you i think when you uh tell so much of our life is habit you know uh good habits and bad habits yeah and uh that was one of the good habits that i started was uh was a was a foundation in, in the scripture i think can you imagine
0: the difference in our society our culture our country today if everyone could say what you can say, Mickey, that my family read the scriptures every morning and my father prayed for us over breakfast every
1: day, it'd be a different world we're living in. It now. absolutely would. Yeah, yeah, it sure would. I, uh, I feel like one of the things that we really have lost that's hurt this country a lot and, uh, mm-hmm. is our family unit. Yeah. And so, so many times, uh, the, the kids are, don't have even a, even anything that resembles uh even a family unit sometimes and you, you may uh, know my
0: friend Britt Harris who was over the teacher retirement system.
1: I don't or, know uh, him personally but I've heard, heard the name heard of
0: yeah. Him. Yeah. he's a friend of mine and he was invited to a dinner uh, and happened to be seated right by the president a few years ago. It was during the days of George W. Bush and uh uh-huh. So he kind of uh, gathered up his thoughts and uh, decided if he was going to ask the president a question, he would try to make it a good question. And he said, uh, uh, Mr. President, what is the greatest challenge facing our nation? And without hesitation, George W. Bush, the president of the United States, said it is without a doubt the disintegration of the family unit and the home. Yeah. You can't solve that with military action. No. you can't uh send an ambassador to fix that you cannot uh, have a special congressional committee to come together and and uh you know solve the problem of the family it's something really only God can do that's true and it's a it's a continuing concern that's only gotten worse since then and we're seeing the fruit of it that's true as our nation
1: uh, tries to unravel you know uh that we've talked uh, a good bit in our men's prayer group, which uh, right that too has had a, a strong impact on my life, Amen. later life. Uh, Amen. When you can go once a week and meet with Christian men, and you can pray uh, not only for individuals that need your prayer, but you can also pray for circumstances that need your prayer. Amen. And uh, you're you're just uh, you know we. Not, not just in Greenville, but this whole country needs a really strong revival. We need to come back to a foundation that we had at one time.
0: That's what we've been praying uh, for. Mickey, when we come back, if you'd allow me to invite you back for another round of this, Uh, we'll have part two uh, next time. I'd like to explore that. Maybe drill down into that uh, subject a little bit about how desperately our nation needs revival. Mickey Pearson. I'm so glad to have you with us today. You're going to learn a little bit more about Mickey in part two of our interview next time on His Mighty Hand. I'm just so glad you're with us today as our listener. Again, I'm Pastor Chet Haney of Highland Terrace Baptist Church, and we do pray that today you will be touched by His Mighty Hand. And now here's the host of His Mighty Hand, Pastor Chet Haney. So grateful to continue our study in the Gospel of John, and I want to invite you to open your Bible this morning to John chapter 11. And we're going to look theologically at a remarkable passage, which perhaps more than any other in the entire New Testament deals very frankly and very honestly and forthrightly with the humanity of Jesus. Now, we know Jesus is the Son of God. We know Jesus is the Lord of creation. We know Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But sometimes it's hard for us to imagine God as a baby in a manger. It's hard for us to imagine a God who goes into the wilderness and suffers hunger and temptation. And the Bible says Jesus, our high priest, knows what it's like to be one of us. And he has suffered temptation in every form as we have, yet without sin. Now today, you're going to see what can only be called the emotional humanity of Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you want to start your scripture memory discipline, this would be a good day to start because we're going to cover the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, and you can memorize that one right now. It won't take you long. But don't be um, too quick to pass over that thought that Jesus wept. As a matter of fact, I'm going to try to demonstrate to you today that when jesus wept you could say jesus lost it because that's essentially what the uh, scripture is saying here and i'll show it to you um, the word um, that uh, talks about jesus being moved in his spirit uh, shaken and, and and sort of trembling if if the uh, if the uh If the insides of Jesus were a sack of marbles, he was just like Elvis, all shook up, but it's no joke. Um, he was barely holding it together. And some of you know how that feels. Some of you have been there. Do you know, I felt so bad when my mom died back in, uh, 2016. She died on February the 2nd. And you know, I never cried a tear. Through the process of her death, I went through all the family visitation, made arrangements for the funeral, welcomed all my family and friends who came in town from all over the place. I was overwhelmed by the outpouring of support that I received from friends and family and especially from my church family. It was just simply amazing. And I preached her funeral and never shed a tear. Felt kind of bad about it, really, because, you know, it's your mother. You ought to be crying a little bit. But you know how preachers are. We deal with death a lot. And unfortunately, we can become a little bit professionally, uh, I don't want to say calloused, but we sort of, this is what we do. And we, we kind of become accustomed to it. But I want to tell you something. I don't care how much of a preacher you are. It'll catch you when you least expect it. You want to know when I lost it over my mother? It was at Men's Warehouse. We were traveling back to Greenville from Austin, and unexpectedly, I was invited to a little shindig in Waco at Baylor, where the president of the university was going to be there. And I didn't have a thing to wear. So we stopped at Men's Warehouse so I could at least buy a sport coat where I would look a little bit presentable. And you know what happened? I was just going to get a sport coat, and my wife, God bless her, started looking at pants and shirts, and you ought to look at this and try that, and don't you need a pair of socks, let's get you some shoes. She was acting just like my mother. And all of a sudden, this, uh, this very nice man who was taking care of me, he looks at me, and I'm just in a weeping fit because I lost it. You never know when that's going to happen. It happened to Jesus, and I'll show it to you here in just a moment. But the first thing I want you to see is what can only be called an amazing invitation, even though it comes every day. And if you and I have the wisdom and maturity to value it as we should, we won't take it for granted when this invitation comes every single morning. It hit me at four o'clock today, and I want to tell you, I was not ready for it. Every fiber in my being wanted to go back to sleep. I wanted to say, I'm tired. I'm not ready to get up. And I walked out on my front porch, and there was Orion laying down on my neighbor's roof up in the sky. It's the most beautiful thing. So I went inside, and in order to kind of wake up, I took a shower, I got dressed, and all of a sudden, bing, I'm wide awake and ready to answer this invitation. Let me show it to you. The Bible speaks of this right after Martha's wonderful declaration of who Jesus is, and I said, I think it's on par with the confession of Simon Peter at Caesarea Philippi. Now, you remember his because it's so famous. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, look with me again at what Martha said and see if you don't agree that it's no less impressive theologically. Don't you agree with her insight? Now, look, she said to him, verse 27... Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, let's be real careful right there. Because we like to paint people with broad-brush stereotypes. How do we think of Martha? Come on, tell me the truth now, church. We think of Martha as the one who was where? In the kitchen. Right? That's from Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 and following, that famous story where Martha's in the kitchen making supper and Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus on the front porch. And uh, we kind of make this comparison. Mary is the one who really wanted to be at the feet of Jesus and Martha's the one who's in the kitchen. Be careful. It's so easy to pigeonhole people when we really don't even know them that well sometimes. And we certainly don't know all the details of all they're going through. This confession of Mary, of Martha tells me that Martha liked to sit at the feet of Jesus too. And she had some deep insight into the person of Christ, who he was and what he came to do. I don't think that Martha stayed in the kitchen all the time, do you? Seminary professor I remember so well. Was comparing Mary and Martha, and he said that Martha was to be commended because she was in the kitchen preparing supper, and Mary also was to be commended because she was sitting at the feet of Jesus learning, and he said the age-old question is, which one is to be preferred, Mary or Martha? And he says, I suppose the answer is, Martha is to be preferred before dinner, and Mary is to be preferred after dinner. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Well, here's Martha, and I want you to notice the invitation that she extended to her sister because this invitation came for you this morning. Did you hear it? It's going to come in the morning, too. It pretty much comes every day. Here's what she said. She sent secretly to marry her sister, and she said... The teacher has come and is calling for you. Man, what a deal. What a blessing and what a sacred invitation to wake up every morning and hear the voice of eternity reaching into your soul. The teacher has come and he's calling for you. Wow. May God help us to be wise and mature enough every single day to consider this invitation a blessed and special and priceless moment of opportunity. Take advantage of it. The teacher has come. And he's calling for you. What did you say when you got the invitation? What was your RSVP? I can't speak for every day, but I'm so thankful that today God got my attention. And he got me in the shower and he got me dressed. And by the time I finished, I had a cup of coffee and I was wide awake and I was ready to hear what Jesus had to say. Would to God that that would be my habit every single day. And yours too, because I'm going to tell you something about Chet Haney. I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot going on. I've got a lot that uh, asks for and commands my attention, and I know some of you are busy too, and I don't want to compare us any more than I want to compare Mary and Martha, because the truth is we're all busy, but the question is this, have you come to the place in your life where you're wise and mature enough to recognize you are too busy not to pray? You don't have time not to pray. Because the stuff you've got going on in your life, it's too important for you to handle it on your own. You need the divine assistance of a mighty hand resting on you and touching you and and blessing you and instructing you, enlightening you. We're way too busy to ignore the everyday invitation. The teacher has come. And he's calling for you. Now the funny thing about that invitation is, it's never stated in the text. We don't see those words from the Lord Jesus in the previous verses. He could have said them and it just wasn't recorded for John himself said, he supposed that if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, that the skies and the heavens could not contain the books that would have to be written. But I also wonder if perhaps this invitation could have come without a word. The teacher has come and is calling for you. I wonder if Martha was able to see those words in the affection and the love and the smile in the eyes of Jesus. I want to tell you, you learn to look into the eyes of Jesus, you're going to see a lot of things that can't be spoken in words. And you're going to understand exactly what he's saying just by the look in his eyes that he adores you and and he loves you so much and that you are the joy that was set before him at the cross of Calvary. Caused him to endure the cross and despise the shame and to go forward until he could say it is finished. There's no record of Jesus saying these words, but Martha was sure of it. The master has come, the teacher, and he's calling for you. You see, she knew Jesus and she knew her sister. And she knew Lazarus. And she knew the love that all of them shared together. And she knew that that twinkle in the eyes of Jesus and that smiling affection that she had just seen on his face when she made that confession perhaps was something that Mary would understand as well. The teacher has come and he's calling for you. Now I want you to notice something about the way Mary responded to this because it's important. How did Mary respond? Look at it with me if you would. It's in the text in the very next verse. Look at it in verse 29. She arose in a certain way. Church, what does the Bible say? How how did Mary arise and go to Jesus? She went quickly. She went quickly to the Lord. And truthfully... That tells you something about Mary. The fact that she didn't stammer or stagger or hesitate or wait, but rather as soon as she heard Jesus was there, she rose up from where she was and she walked with a little bit of a spring in her step. She might have been half trotting or jogging. I don't know if she's in a full sprint. I doubt it. But quickly, she went to Jesus. What does that tell you about Mary? She wanted to get there, and she wanted to get there right now, which tells you something about her affection for the Lord. Just as Martha also had recognized the, the smiling affection of Jesus in his eyes as he spoke to her, and as he received from her that wonderful confession of faith, the teacher has come, he's calling for you, and Mary rose quickly, and she went out. To see Jesus. Now let's go back to your invitation that you received this morning. You're going to get another one in the morning. Soon as you wake up, I pray that if the Holy Spirit will bless and anoint the message of this sermon this morning, I pray that part of the application in your life is going to be in the morning. The first thought on your mind when you wake up in that bed is an invitation from the Spirit of God. The teacher has come and he's calling for you. It's an opportunity to go get your nose in that Bible. It's an opportunity to uh, focus your heart vertically. And not on all the stuff of this world and the distractions and the, the fears and, you know, everything else that can just weigh us down. The sin that so easily besets us, Hebrews says. And the way you respond to it, specifically the pace with which you respond, says something. You know what the Bible says God hates? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 18. God hates feet that are swift in running to evil. Isn't that a sad state of affairs? When we're quick to do the thing we shouldn't do and the thing we should do, we got to think about it for a while and let's get motivated and let's uh, sort of, uh, you know, ponder it a little bit and we'll put it off a little longer. And finally, we might get around to it when we barely have any attention left to give to the Lord at all, because we gave our first and our best to something else, a lesser love, a lesser thing. How sad when you had an invitation from Jesus. The teacher came and he's calling for you. And you chose what instead? God help us. And the teacher comes to get up and quickly move into that place where we can hear his voice. Thanks for listening today to His Mighty Hand, the radio ministry of the Highland Terrace Baptist Church located on Joe Ramsey Boulevard right here in Greenville, Texas. Join us each week at this time as we celebrate His work in our lives through...